0: You're listening to the Metro L.A. Podcast, an official podcast of the L.A. International Church of Christ.
1: Good evening, brothers and sisters, friends and family. I'd like to welcome you to Metro Vision Studios and the midweek service of the Metro region of the Los Angeles Church of Christ. We're here tonight doing something a little bit different than we do with our midweek services. We're continuing in our interviews. This is week number four of some of our tremendous and incredible shepherding couples here in the Metro LA region. And I'm here tonight with uh, my better half and my best friend.
2: Better half.
1: (laughs) Better half, there you go. Better half. (laughs) Uh, Joanne, and it's our privilege to serve as elder and elder's wife here in the LA church in the Metro region. And we're gonna to start tonight with a scripture and a prayer. And Joanne, if you'd like to go, that would be awesome.
2: Thank you, amen. Uh, I wanna open up with a scripture, as Doug mentioned, which I think is pretty appropriate for what we're gonna talk about tonight and what's gonna happen. In Hebrews chapter 6, verse 10, the Bible reads, God is not unjust. He will not forget your work. And the love you have shown him as you have helped his people and continue to help them. And this scripture meant a lot for what we've been doing these last few weeks as we've been interviewing our shepherding couples. And the reason why they're the shepherding couples for the region is because they have helped so many and have spent years working and helping in different ministries and we're very excited to be working with and interviewing the couple Doug has talked about tonight the Esperantos which he will tell you a little bit more about but before we go on I'm going to open with a word of prayer so let's pray Heavenly Father, thank you so much for tonight and for being able to interview and get to know better Jacob and Susan Esperanto. And Father, thank you so much for Metro L.A. region and all the disciples in the region and the ways you have blessed us and for using us. I pray you'd continue to use us in this region to reach many souls for Christ in our area And Father, I pray you'd be with us tonight as we continue our interviewing and getting to know the shepherds. We love you. We thank you so much for Jesus. And it's in his name we pray. Amen. Amen. Back to you, Doug.
1: Amen. (laughs) So, again, thank you so much for tuning in tonight. This is going to be a very special night. It's It's a bit different than what we normally do but we've been blessed so far to hear from some tremendous couples, to hear from the Sanchez's, to hear from the Voo's, to hear from the Henley's. And tonight, as Joanne mentioned, we get to hear from another very special couple that are very near and dear to our hearts that we have known ever since we moved here to Los Angeles from Boston a number of years ago. And that's Jacob and Susan Esperanto. Yep. A very special couple who not only do we love, but we like. Mm,
2: okay. <laughs> and so
1: tonight we're going to hear from them. Uh Jacob and Susan, welcome. It's great to have you with us. Thank you. Thank you, uh, thank you for being here tonight and just being willing to share your lives uh, with so many others who I know you love and who love you. You know, in the scriptures, the Bible talks about how Uh, In Paul to the Thessalonians that we loved you so much that we delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our own lives as well, because you'd become so dear to us. And tonight, that's what Jacob and Susan are going to do. They're going to share our lives, which is a real expression of their love for God and a love for all of you. So we're going to start off with question number one. Joanne, would you like to share that question?
2: Yeah, we're going to go into the questions. And before we go into the questions, one of the things I wanted to also mention is Jacob and Susan now serving the campus ministry to show you how much they love the disciples uh, leading the campus. And they're a long way from campus age, but they're still serving and leading in whatever capacity God calls them to. So. We're going to go way back with our first question, Jacob and Susan. And what we want you to do first is tell us about your conversion and why you became a Christian. Susan, why don't you kick it off? <laughs> Thank
0: you, Joanne. Um, this is actually a you know a, a, a neat or a question. It just makes me think back. You know, years and years ago, but looking back on my conversion, um, I realized how much God had a hand on me wanting to become a disciple. Um, but, you know, at that time, I basically thought that I was in control of my life. I made the choices. I knew where I'm going. It was all about me. And, you know, I, it was me leading me. And so, um, and because, you know, I just felt like there was no God. I was, even though I knew of God, I kind of felt like I was just a nobody and God, you know, that I was not in God's peripheral vision at any time. Mm. You know, so just my background a little bit. I was born and raised in Malaysia. Yeah. I, um, grew up as, you know, my, my family and my community that was brought up, uh, as a, syrian orthodox faith um Mm. and so we're pretty very tight community and it was um a community where everybody knew everybody they know your parents your grandparents the kids um, and so you can do no wrong because someone is going to tell on you at all mm. times. <laughs> so, um, I was a middle child, uh, mm-hmm. growing up and I was the black sheep of the family. I was oh, the okay. rebellious one in the family. And if you told me to stop, I would say nope. Mm-hmm. I would go. If you say north, I would say south. You would, if you say, you know, right, I would say left. I was just very rebellious in just growing up. And, um, I don't know why. I mean, I would challenge people for no reason just because I wanted to challenge you, you know. And I had a mm-hmm. lot of, growing up, I had a lot of hurt and a lot of pain, um, a lot of bitterness, um, and I, it was all compacted inside of me and I wasn't able to kind of express it. And so that's my way of rebelling, you know. Um, so, You know, Because of a lot of the choices I made along the way, um, a lot of bad choices that I made along the way, um, I did hurt myself, and I did hurt my family, and I hurt my parents because they were pretty big on upholding their family name. It was like a big deal in my culture. I mean, Mm -hmm. everything goes back to your family name. And Mm -hmm. I did a lot of things along the way that kind of brought a lot of disgrace to my family and so i thought okay i've done a lot of damage i could not look at anyone at this point i'm just gonna pack my stuff and move somewhere far away where no one knows me and i could start fresh you Mm -hmm. know um so i packed my bags from Mm -hmm. malaysia and left to los angeles that's far. That's far. <laughs> and I thought yeah. this is the place I could just go ahead and start over and no one knows me. No one knows my baggage. I can start all over again, you know, but God was so gracious. I think God was like, looked at me and said enough is enough, you know, with everything that I was going. When I got here, it was a huge culture shock. Yep. I have no idea <laughs> what I did. <laughs> But I was just too prideful to admit anything to my parents, you know. So I'm like, I'm going to make this one happen, you mm. know. And so I would, uh, <laughs> like the first two weeks I was here, I was taking the bus to school. And every morning I would be in tears, crying as I got in the bus to a point that it was the same bus driver that every morning. And he basically saw me and would try to have conversations with me. Um, but then he knew I was, you know, to the school that I was going to. And he, one day, two weeks into it, he introduced me to Valerie mm. Somogi who was also taking the same bus with me to school. And so he was like, you know, I think you should meet her because you need a friend, mm. you know. And so mm. his name was Melvin. I still remember him. Melvin. Melvin introduced me to Valerie and he said, you know, go ahead, you know, be friends because she needs a friend. So Valerie Somogi is the one who tried to be my friend and she tried to, um, invite me to church. Yep. But I was, I was not having it. You know, I couldn't trust her. She's just the opposite of me. She's the very opposite of me. She's so kind. She's gentle. She's soft spoken. Um, she was very helpful and I felt like, you know, she, she wanted something from me. Like I, you know, cause I was like, okay, I'm waiting, I'm waiting, I'm waiting. What is it? What (laughs) is it? You know? Um, so, but I had a very untrusting heart. Um, so it was hard for me to just be her friend. I was always had this guard. Um, but eventually I, she was just too perfect for me. I was like, Mm -hmm. I'm You know, she's not going to understand me because I'm nothing like her. Um, So then I thought, okay, let me actually go to church with her Mm -hmm. and see if this is something that, um, you know, if she's this kind of a person the whole time. If this is real. Right. And so it was hard for me to realize that, you know, I mean, she is real. And so then I had to study the Bible. I decided to study the Bible. I was like, okay, let me, let me see what they're trying to say.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: But I picked a fight with everybody in the, in the studies. It was, um, Valerie and two other sisters and I fought all through the studies. As you would. As mm-hmm. I would. Cause mm-hmm. I did not want to look at the scriptures. I was just, thinking that, you know, they are showing me these scriptures because they are trying to tell me something. You know, they have this motive in showing me these scriptures. So I fought all the way through the studies. And eventually at night, when I laid myself in bed, I realized that, you know what, I know what the scriptures are saying is true. You know, um, I knew the pride I had in me. So nine months later, Mm
2: -hmm.
0: after studying the Bible, I became, you know, baptized in September tenth, on September tenth,
1: nineteen
0: ninety, wow, in Redonda Beach,
1: awesome.
0: Um, so, in a you know, thank you, Valerie Samudi. <laughs> for Valerie, Valerie, yes. <laughs> Valerie, Valerie. Mary. Mary at
2: that time who saved me. Amen. Yep.
1: Amen. 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 that's Amen. awesome. Richard. God had to yep. bring
2: you across the whole ocean. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <Kicking> <laughs> and screaming.
3: <laughs>
2: yeah. screaming. Amen. Okay. That's great. Thank you. Jacob, what about you?
3: All right, so I think about uh, the scripture that has always come to my mind when I think about, you know, my conversion is Acts 17. You know, how it says that God actively decides the era and the place where we live so that we would seek him. And my family, well, part of my family, my dad's side of the family is very religious. We go to church. We had our own church. Well, my mom's side of the family, not so much. And it was just me, my mom, and my sister, and the three of us together, were more agnostic. We didn't really have an opinion about God whatsoever. Um, But I knew I I needed something. I knew I needed God in some form or fashion, but it wasn't because I wanted to be righteous or I was seeking something altruistic. I was just lonely. Mm -hmm. Um, I had friends, but I didn't really like any of them. Mm -hmm. Um, And like all guys when they're young, we want self-confidence, we want legs to stand on, and I didn't have any of that. And I had a hard time just feeling like a man or even a young man. I didn't feel any of those things. And so my escape was other things and other kinds of pleasures that young men my age do, right? So including uh, dating multiple girls, all that, just to find an escape and pleasure out of this feeling of feeling very inadequate and not being a man. I was trying to find love, but really you can only find it in God. But I didn't know that at the time. I was just trying to find it anywhere that I could. Mm-hmm. When I finally got to high school, um, I was actually searching for God. I was actually reading my Bible, but... And and it said share your faith and all that, but I was I was too fearful, I was too afraid to share my faith and do any of that stuff. So I just hung out with the Christian club, and they were just like me, right? We have met together, but you know, all of our lives was sinful. My life was sinful, so it didn't really matter that I was joining the Christian club. (laughs) Um, Yeah. So then I graduated, still seeking God and still trying to be something. You know More than just feeling small and adequate, so I came to California and I was going to join the military join the Air Force, like my both my parents. Uh, but um, I went to El Camino in the meantime and I joined my aunt 's church, which was victory outreach mm-hmm. and their mm-hmm. mission at the time was to reach out to the inner city and to reach out to gang members. Who are trying to get out of that lifestyle? So you can imagine little old me sitting on a street corner trying to, you know, share my faith with people on the streets who people around me were from gangs. It was pretty funny, um, and but still, even though I was doing those things and it felt great to do what I thought was God's work, my life was still sinful. I didn't have anybody asking me about my sin, or I certainly wasn't asking anybody about their sin. So really, being a man of God was still clueless to me Mm -hmm. and that's the thing that i wanted most i think and i think that's what god was trying to i hope that's what god was trying to get me to be and ultimately even though i had my bible in my hand i don't think i really understood jesus's teachings all i really knew was jesus christ crucified for your sins but you know to be more than that to be a son of god i didn't understand that yeah and then i finally go to al camino and i think that's where god put me in that place at the right time so that alfred lewis can study the bible with me Okay. Alfred Lewis from the campus ministry in 1991. Mm-hmm. And I was sitting in the commons area, and he just comes up to me, and he invites me out to—I thought he was inviting me out to a bonfire mm. so that we can meet girls. That's what I thought he was inviting me to. <laughs>
2: that's what you thought you were. Right. <laughs> yeah. But he was actually
3: inviting me out to a campus midweek in Long Beach. Yeah.
2: Uh-huh.
3: And um, I was actually very impressed with his boldness. I mean, here was a guy who didn't know me, but he was being very bold. And I thought, okay, that's that sounds— like something God would give. Mm-hmm. So I went with him, and it was again, it wasn't at the beach, it was at Cal State Long Beach, and I saw about 30 to 40 single dis- campus disciples, and they were all celebrating because they had just finished this marathon for a fundraiser for the Russian mission teams right. to Russia with love. And so it was really interesting at the time to see all these people not having clicks, mm-hmm. guys and girls just being friends and actually celebrating a spiritual victory like that and i said well okay that's pretty interesting and they were diverse mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so i thought oh i was really moved by that i said okay so alfred just asked me if i wanted to study the bible and i said yes because i already knew my bible so i thought i was going to teach him oh, okay right yeah. but, right so alfred sat down with me dexter Bracero sat down with me and our very own art Tolentino mm-hmm. sat down with me I remember art used to make a big deal out of the fact that i was only 17 but my mother was 33 and he was 33, yeah. so he could practically be my parent. <laughs> but, um, so we met at us and their household. We had, uh, Albertson's fried chicken and the French bread. That was our meal. And we yeah. sat together and they showed me Matthew 28. I mean, the moment I read Matthew 28, I knew, I knew I wasn't a disciple. I knew. I, okay. I didn't know any of this stuff. Mm-hmm. Jesus' teachings. I didn't know mm-hmm. anything. So, you know, I said, maybe you should be teaching me about how to become a Christian. <laughs> and they're looking at it. So like, we are. So, um, yeah, I felt like God was trying to really teach me more than just what I had been growing up with. He was trying to teach me that, you know, Jesus was actually real. Dying on the cross was real. His suffering was real. Mm-hmm. And I felt like God was actually now reaching out his hand to me and saying, OK, Jacob, here I am. Mm-hmm. You know, you were looking for me in high school, but I'm here now. I wanted you to find me now. And obviously I felt very lonely in high school, but here I am amongst folks who aren't trying to compete with me, who aren't trying to play King of the Hill and, you know, criticize me so that they can be the most important. These guys really just wanted to be brothers. Not even friends, but brothers. And that, I wanted to have that kind of teaching. I wanted to be that kind of man. And, but what I learned in all that Bible study was that a man of God was, he's teachable. A man of God steps out on faith. He flees from sin and his confidence comes from keeping his eyes on Jesus, not from himself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and I wanted that. And I really am grateful that God was actually finally reaching out his hand and offering me that. And so um, October 10th, 1991, I got baptized at Hermosa Beach. Wow. And the water was freezing. I bet. But <laughs> uh, yeah, that's what I, that's my conversion story.
2: Well, amen. It's amazing when you think about it, how God reached each one of you. One, he had to bring across the Pacific. Another, he had to bring into California. But he has his ways of of really finding us and and making us, you know, look for him. So, amen. Thanks so much.
1: Okay. So, our second question, uh, Jacob and Susan, what do you love about being a disciple and being in the church? What do you love about being a disciple of Jesus and being in the church? god's church
3: okay well there's a lot there to unpack but i think for me the thing that i love about being a disciple is that i think faith is the great equalizer and i think god's kingdom is a level playing field it creates a level playing field again growing up i never felt adequate i always felt inadequate compared to everybody else but i think the god's kingdom he doesn't see any of the inadequacies right he doesn't care about those things and sure, in the kingdom we have our roles. We have organizational roles and we need those organizations to you know meet needs and, and make decisions and shepherd and teach people. But I think um what is it? Proverbs twenty two says, the rich and the poor have this in common. The Lord made them both. And so for me that's that's what God sees. He sees his children. Yep. He sees sons and daughters. Mm-hmm. Yep. He sees our strengths and our flaws because he designed them. He sees children. Mm. But I yep. think he also sees The condition of our souls right I think um, uh, Romans 3 it says uh, that no one has an advantage and no matter where we're from no one is righteous not even one Mm -hmm. and I think whether I'm a good guy or a bad guy whether I'm a victim or the victimizer to to God we are all in need of salvation and we're all in need of his love but I don't think God is one-dimensional either I think he can look at us as children and see us all the same as in needing salvation needing love but he can still see and celebrate our unique qualities. Mm -hmm. I think he can see the good and the bad, but still say, you know, you are an individual as well. Mm -hmm. And I'm glad that God loves me for me and God loves each one of us. I think the second thing that I love about being in the church is how Paul, and I believe that Paul preached about part of the same thing, unity, Mm -hmm. especially cultural unity. I, I want that diversity. Um, and I you know I really see that in first Corinthians twelve where he says and i 'll read this it, it is but God has put this is first corinthians twelve twenty four but God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it, so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other and I feel like Paul is saying, You who are all different, come together, learn about each other, mm-hmm. and love each other deeply mm-hmm. and and yeah. that 's what I want I want I, that's what I feel like we, we're, we're going for in the church is I think we can only have cultural unity and diversity through Jesus. And I'm attracted to that kind of intimacy. I want to know people who are different than me. Mm-hmm. And so I think we can all be different. I think we are all spiritually the same and still being different. And God has created that, has designed yep. that. So,
2: Amen. Amen.
0: For me, I, I, I love the fellowship. Acts 2.42 is something that I I love. I love the fellowship that we have in the church with the brothers and sisters. I love the diversity we have in the church. Um, so, you know, the one another relationship is very attractive to me. You know, I don't think you can see that anywhere else outside of the church. Um, you know, and I feel like the relationships that we make, even the in our small groups, you know, they helps us grow mm-hmm. in our faith. It helps us grow in, in know, uh, gaining wisdom and gleaning from one another. And I think just over the years, having been part of those small groups and the fellowship has helped me to mm-hmm. have friendships and relationships and sustain me, I mm-hmm. feel, when things, you know, when I need the help, you know. So that's one thing, fellowship. And then the peace and comfort that comes from the scriptures. I think, um, mm-hmm. You know, I, I'm am I'm a strong-willed person, but, you know, when things kind of go a little chaotic, I can always go back to the scriptures and know God's promises, you mm-hmm. know, and take comfort in the fact that, you know, God is the anchor to my faith, you know, and I just need to fix my eyes um, when things are going a little haywire. So those are my reasons.
1: Amen. Fantastic. Amen. I love that. I just love the synergy between you're both of your responses because I love Jacob, what you said, God loves me for me. And sometimes we struggle with God loving me despite me. Mm -hmm. And you really realizing, internalizing the fact that God loves me for who I am. The good, the bad, the ugly. Mm -hmm. And just the beauty of what you said, Susan, about the reminders. You know, mm-hmm. that I can always look to the scriptures and I can be reminded of how much God loves me, how much he cares for me. Even when we may think differently, right. we have his love letter here to continually remind us of how much he loves us, he created us, he knows yep. us. And uh, I love that, that's beautiful.
3: Thank you. Thank you.
2: Amen. Amen. Okay, next question is, What do you hope to see the church grow in or change here in Metro? (laughs) And Jacob thinks that's fine. All
3: right. So what do we see? (laughs) Well, I think it's the same. I think uh, it goes back to what I love about being a disciple. I I want the church to continue to grow in its cultural diversity and its cultural unity. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that's the level playing field that God designed. I, I grew up in the South. And I was, my parents were, in, my mother was in the military. Well, my parents were, but I live with my mother. We were on there in an Air Force Base. On base, I saw diversity. Yep. Folks from all parts of the, all yep. the world were living around. Sure. The moment I go off base, there was no diversity. I mean, mm-hmm. it was a very clink, distinct, and desired line between black and white. Mm-hmm. But I actually experienced more racism here in L.A. than I have anywhere else. Yet... I want that diversity. And I think being in L.A. and kind of seeing the, kind of always being around that racism, you can get numb to it. I know I got numb to it. Mm -hmm. But when George Floyd happened, it woke me up. Mm -hmm. And suddenly we're we're, we're talking about it again and suddenly it's all hitting home. And I think, Joanne, even when you said the whole world had to stop and watch what happened, we had Mm -hmm. nowhere else to go. I know that it happened for me when I saw it. I had nowhere else to go and I was seeing it and it reminded me. That social injustice destroys the level playing field that God has designed. And so Susan and I, we're constantly praying for, for this region that we can grow mm-hmm. in our cultural diversity and in our cultural unity. I, I'd like us to have a breakthrough where we are an example of that. Um, perhaps I think maybe, and I could be wrong, but I think one of the, the elephants in the room when it comes to trying to have cultural unity is, and one of the things is that perhaps each cultural group doesn't want to offend the other group. And so we're afraid to ask the embarrassing, the annoying, the insulting questions. But we've got to start somewhere. Yep. I would like to be invited to someone to say, okay, Jake, sit down and, and, and ask me questions about us. And from and knowing that I'm going to ask dumb questions, mm-hmm. but I'm only asking because I want to seek to understand. I, I want that. Yep. And I think uh, we pray that our reading can, can really build a template for that that other churches and other regions can, can learn from. So that's where I want to see us grow. Amen, that's great.
0: Well, for me, I um, there are two, th- two, two areas I feel like we can grow in, I would like to see grow. One is to see the younger generations being integrated more into the church, into the region. Mm-hmm. You know, te- seeing more teens, campus, young singles, um, young couples, you know, who have the passion and the heart and the skills and the talent, uh, more so passion and the heart, you know, wanting to serve and serving, uh, yep. alongside, you know, older, seasoned, mature disciples. Um, so I, I like to see more young disciples here in Metro. The other thing I would say is, um, Cause, you know, I mean, we're at that stage where you either have the younger generation or the older generation, right? And so I would like to see the more spiritual, mature disciples just going back to the basic of discipleship. You know, and what do I mean? I think that includes me. I feel like that's just where I'm at as well. It's just a reminder that we just need to live, um, uh, very transparent and, you know, um, living in a glass house, I should say, you know, always living a transparent glass mm. yeah. in a house. Um, because, and I'm talking about myself, when things go, you know, when you have challenges and when you go trials through trials and difficulties, it is easy for me to pull the shades down in different areas of my life, you know, whether because it's embarrassing, because I don't want to talk about it, because I don't want them to know about it, because I don't know how to deal with it. Mm-hmm. And before you know it, Satan's pretty much have your whole place, your heart wrapped up because you become in this place that you look good on the outside, but on the inside, there's so many shades. And I, and it's easy, I think, as, as older Christians to be in that, you know, get in that mode without even realizing, you mm-hmm. know, and I know it, for me, I have to constantly remind and force myself to just be open about different things that's going on and having those relationships that we can be transparent about. So I would like to see older, mature disciples just going back to the basics so that we can just have joy and, you know, um, be inspiring to the Amen. younger generations that's, you know, Amen. in our
2: faith. So... So, these are some challenges for us growing in our cultural diversity and unity and becoming an example, as well as young people yep. stepping up to the plate yep. and going for it, and the older, more mature disciples opening up exactly. and having more of a transparency in our lives, yep. you know, so that people can see. And in doing that, you know, people can also learn because older disciples have a lot of experiences. And so when they open their lives and their hearts and no matter what's going on, everybody can learn from it, including them. So thanks so much. That's a great challenge for each one of us. Appreciate it. Back to you, Doug.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So Jacob and Susan, question number four. What did you both personally (laughs) learn from the 2019 split that Metro went through, unfortunately. So what did you personally learn from that 2019
3: split? Wow. So two things that I, uh, many things, but two things that I could probably share here is, one, God works out his plans even in turmoil. And the other one is that God can use anyone to teach everyone. I think, yeah, I think when it comes to the turmoil, I remember asking God, why, what are you, why are you allowing this? What are you trying to teach us? And I wasn't really calm about it at the time. I'm crying out to God, go, why? Why are you allowing this? And Because there was so much anger going on with emails and meetings of no grace and all that. And I wasn't helping the situation either. I was definitely... Yelling at people or scolding people on the phone and emails, and this, I was just part of this bigger problem. But God was actually working things out. I mean, the situation was so out of control that nobody, nobody human, was able to contain it. Mm-hmm. Yet ultimately, it settled down. The dust settled, mm-hmm. and and it reminds me of Romans twenty-eight, where it says, "We know that in all things God works for the good of those." We love him. you yep. have been called to according to his purpose. Yep. And yep. eventually it, it resolved and the dust settled and we ended up well, right here. yeah, We're right now. And I think this is what happens when, like in James 1, it, we ask for um, wisdom and spiritual maturity. Well, God definitely answers that kind of prayer. Mm-hmm. So that's, <laughs> we, we have to go through things to get that. So, yeah. And I don't want to be the kind of person that interferes with God's plans. I mean, the Old Testament, we see many examples of that where God says, go this way, and they go that way, right? Yeah. Like Abraham, when he mm-hmm. tried to settle down in Egypt, and what was Jonah, and Jonah. the first generation of disciples who fled Egypt, right? I mean, God eventually makes it right, but we do have the ability to interfere with his plans. I don't want to be that. I don't want to be that person. I don't want to be that obstacle. I think the other ther- thing that I learned was that God can use anybody to teach everyone. Um, I think even though the church has been around, or at least our church here has been around for about 30 years, Alley Church, to me, our maturity is like our teenage years. Yeah. And I don't mean that as a slight, and that's not a joke. I think, you know, if you've ever raised teenagers, that's not an easy thing to go through. Um, and, and I don't think a lot of folks understand or really realize the church leadership and the relationships that they had with one another, the layers that were involved, and, and it's easy for folks, and myself, to go. Well, they were just in sin. Well, no, there, there were they relationships, and we wouldn't say that about our own relationships. Yet, God allowed church leadership to be established, and for a very long time. Yep. And as a result, Metro had a split, mm-hmm. and it was heartbreaking. And we're all still grieving. I'm grieving. And but I think our region, our spiritual family, matured because of the split. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we persevered like in James 1. It's, it's, I hope that we're learning wisdom and spiritual maturity. Mm-hmm. I mean, like in verse 4, let perseverance finish its work so that you may be complete and lacking nothing. Yeah. Right? right? And I think with the, uh, um, arriving, I think that's God, right? Leading us to be refocused back on Christ-centered relationships, right? And going back to not just the New Testament, but Old Testament scriptures, um, mm-hmm. I think we have an even deeper conviction on collaborative leadership. Um, what does it say? Verse four, uh, Ephesians 4.16, every supporting ligament growing and building up the body and love as each part does its work, not just the brothers, but the sisters as well. Mm-hmm. And I think that every disciple that has passed through the role of leadership is going to have to give account for their leadership. And God's going to move his will forward regardless and whether, because he wants to see his church, his bride, his sons and daughters, he's yeah. moving his will forward for all of us. So he's going to work through whatever leadership is currently there. Mm-hmm. And I had to learn that and be at peace with that and understand mm-hmm. that. So I think um every disciple, whether we are building others up or bringing harm, is part of God's plan. Yeah. So that's that's what I learned.
1: Fantastic. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much.
3: Susan.
0: Well, this, you know... uh, like Jacob was saying, there are many layers of the split, you know, so you can't just focus on one. It wasn't just one, uh, reason that caused the split. But, um, you know, I think for me, I learned to just be rooted in, in the scriptures during this time. I think part of the, well, I know part of the reason, even though I was part of the problem, like Jacob was saying, that it was easy there was so much going on it was easy to rely on each other's opinions or emotions or influences and different things that was happening around them and and it was easy to get your eyes off focus on from the scriptures so I think the one thing I learned is like it is crucial during these times to just you know hold on to God's promises and wait patiently during mm-hmm. this time. So, you know, because in James, it talks about what causes the quarrels and fights among you. It's not, is it not from within you? And a lot of it was coming from the lack of forgiveness, lack of grace, greed, you know, mm-hmm. um pride. And so the only way you can go back is you know relying on God's promises and the scriptures so that's definitely not to take your eyes off um your uh, of the scriptures and not to rely on your emotions the the last thing i you know this is just my sinful nature i remember thinking as i was picking up the rubble from the split in my sinful nature cuz i'm a result oriented person <laughs> you know everything has to have a beginning and an end I remember asking, and as my sinful nature, who had, who actually won this whole thing? You know, who came ahead in this? You know, who's the winner in this whole process? And I realized that, you know, there there is no winner or loser, right? Because in in the scriptures, First Corinthians twelve talks about we are one body with many parts. And I felt like all my body parts were getting torn and twisted and you know people were leaving and so there are no winners the ones who left left you know feeling hurt Mm -hmm. the ones who stays are here to pick up our pieces and build and you know working through our grief and all of that so we're all hurting Mm -hmm. and so you know church split is not a good thing to have Mm -hmm. and there is really no winner or loser when it comes to a church split so that's what I learned.
1: Well, thank you so much for sharing. and I can relate so much to so many things that you shared. I think some of the important things is just the the realness and sharing how heartbroken you were, as we all were, as I was, and yet looking and examining ourselves to see, you know, what can I own in this? But then just realizing the bigger picture that God is in control
2: yeah,
0: and -hmm. that he
1: loves us and he cares for us. And even through our suffering, It produces perseverance, perseverance produces character, and character produces hope. And, you know, to see where God has brought us and how he's blessed us has been fantastic. And the future is very, very bright. So I thank you for all of your efforts and your perseverance through some very difficult times. And to see how God has matured you through that is very encouraging and, and so many others. So. Amen.
3: Susan and I actually also wanted to thank you. You have both been a, a pillar in this entire time, in uh, all that time. And um, um, I think we really did rely on you. A lot of folks might not even realized it, but because you were here, you have both been a, a pillar for us—a pillar of faith and a perseverance. And we are very grateful that you guys are here in this ministry after everything that's happened. So thank you Amen. for persevering Amen. with us.
1: And thank you for your kind words. Yeah, I mean a lot. Thank yeah. you so much. It's our
2: pleasure. We wouldn't want to be anywhere
1: else. Amen. Amen. And lastly, um, what is your vision for our ministry here in Metro LA? You know, what do you see can happen here? You know, what is your, your personal vision as we move forward into the future?
3: Well, I think it's Jesus's great commission. Make disciples who live out his teaching by serving the community. And especially the needy i i my vision is that metro la has a strong community outreach that Mm. that our system lasts for decades um my hope is that we eventually add a lesson in the first principle study that says part of christianity is to serve the needy yeah Mm. um and i think that's that's my vision i think um i would like metro la to have that breakthrough on cultural unity to be that template i mean we we're at the 30 to 40 year mark, where many secular churches that are diverse begin to split along cultural lines. We don't have to do that, right? We yeah. can grow. We just gotta be willing to have, and we already have the tools. I mean, we have conflict resolution tools that are biblically based. We have marriage reconciliation tools. We have parenting tools. And all these things yeah. can really be combined to help us learn, to, to learn from one another and learn about our differences. And they're all biblically based. So we don't have to reinvent the wheel. Um, we can just really have that conversation sit down and have those embarrassing questions. And I'm not schooled in any of these topics. I'm not, I'm not an expert. I don't have certifications on you know, unity and, and social justice and all those things. But I can ride with the folks who do have those skill sets. Mm-hmm. I can, you know, ride with their conviction and their passion, and we can set a table where people can come together. And have those kinds of conversations and make it a template a mm. blueprint for everybody else that sounds great and I think that's going to be um, help us to have what you know authentic relationships with one another in christ so that's that's my vision. I think the other thing too is and I think this is where Metro l a is, is leading the way is with our squad we're already moving in that direction. I think squad was meant to be the catalyst for that, and I think squad is putting us on the right path. We squad through the Henleys have have done more to raise awareness than I've seen in the past 30 years. And I really admire the, the Handleys for their convictions yep. and their leadership on this. Plus all the other Metro LA uh, members who have already been doing things over these years, like Augustus, the Downings, Theo and Paula Johnsons, the McLaughlins. I want to follow them mm-hmm. as they yeah. follow Christ and, and serve the community. So. That's my vision for Metro LA.
0: That's our vision for Metro LA. That's (laughs) pretty much the same thing—the diversity and the squad. So, you know, I completely agree, and you know, stand hand in hand with that. So, my answer is
2: similar. That's great. That's great.
1: Well, fantastic. Thank you so much for sharing and opening up your hearts, opening up your lives. Allowing us to know just where you've come from and where you are, what you've been through, uh, we just commend you in the Lord. We're grateful for you, and uh, it was our honor, our privilege to be here tonight with you. So, uh, to all of you who joined in tonight, we thank you for your time. We thank you for attention. Join, would you like to share anything in the end?
2: Yeah, I'm. I'm really grateful. It was great hearing from Jacob and Susan, and to hear their stories and their visions and the things they've learned. And I think you know, as we go back, we can hear these things and and all of us can learn a lot and grow as a result of of the things that have happened and looking at things through a lens of faith and even the hard times, you know, hearing, you know, as they reflect back and and hear what they learned even as we went through things like a split and all. and And also hearing their vision, which is helpful to me because I'm a very task oriented person, which means you don't always focus on the vision and what God can do. And so that was really inspiring. So I'm grateful and I'm really thankful to both of them.
1: I just want to thank you again uh, for your love for God. Every one of you, thank you for your loyalty to this ministry and have a great, great night. Thank you. And God bless you.
2: Thank you.
0: Good night. Good
1: night. You've just listened to the
0: Metro LA podcast. For more information about our ministry, please visit
2: MetroLARegion.com.